Welcome to Diva Deep Cuts Season 2, where we'll be counting down the top 10 best unsung songs by the great divas of today and yesterday. I am your host, Ben, and I have spent countless hours curating these cuts just for you. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. This week, we're counting down the best deep cuts by the voice herself, Whitney Houston. And before I begin, don't forget to check out the episode description and also the Whitney Houston blog post at divadeepcuts.com for the playlist that goes along with this episode in case you want to listen to the songs to match with my commentary. So, Whitney for me, was the first artist who I put together with songs. I think I mentioned this in the Just Whitney episode last season, but as a kid, I knew all these songs from the radio and TV that were hits in the 80s and 90s and 70s, but I didn't know who sang them. And it wasn't until I got older and started listening to more music of my own accord and putting two and two together that I was like, oh, Janet Jackson did this song and Stevie Nicks did this song and Madonna did this song. But Whitney was one that from as far back as I can remember, I knew which songs were Whitney's songs. She was the artist that I grew up very conscious of her voice and which songs were hers. Like, I will always love you. I believe in you and me. I want to dance with somebody. How will I know? So she holds a special place in my heart for her music having journeyed with me throughout my entire life. And of course, she's one of the most talented vocalists of all time. So that doesn't hurt either. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I could uh, list her accolades. She has the unbroken record of the most consecutive number one singles on the Hot 100 with seven. The closest anyone has come was Katy Perry when she got five in a row from Teenage Dream. And then the one that got away missed, but part of me topped the Hot 100, so she came close to tying the record. Otherwise, no one has ever quite gotten there. Mariah also did five in her day. She might have gotten to six if her label hadn't deleted Can't Let Go single from sales component, but that's water under the bridge. In any case, Whitney is immensely talented, has a catalog of amazing songs, and has touched many people with her music, and still does even after she has passed. Let's celebrate the life and amazing career of this woman who had an amazing gift that she just wanted to share with the world and didn't want all the paparazzi and other trappings that go with the fame. She just wanted to share the music. Number 10, Dear John Letter from 2002's Just Whitney. So for anyone who listened to my Just Whitney episode earlier this year, or maybe it was last December, I forget exactly when it came out, 
They already heard me talk about this song, and this was one of the highlights for me on that record. I love the bouncy production from Shakespeare. Whitney's voice is in fine form on this one, at a time when her voice was becoming more inconsistent. And I don't really have much else to add. Really, I wanted to make sure I included something from Just Whitney when I was putting together this episode. And that album is rather short and had four singles, so I didn't have a lot of choices. But I really do like this one. It's up there with Love That Man for me. I really like the up-tempos from Just Whitney. This one, it's really cool. And it captures, again, a sort of like grown relationship situation where it's the ups and downs of being in a long-term partnership with someone. Like the second verse where she talks about like, some days I'm ready to quit and some days I'm willing to forget. And just the way that that can kind of shift for both people and it's something that has to be worked through to maintain a long-term partnership. And I, I almost wonder if like the Dear John letter in some ways is like her journaling, <laughs> journaling out her feelings to process them in letter form as if she's addressing her beloved rather than, um, you know, spilling out her emotions on him and also checking to see, like, is this something that we need to talk about or is there something else bothering me sort of thing? So I like it for that reason, too. <laughs> Number nine, Until You Come Back from 1998's My Love Is Your Love. So My Love Is Your Love is one of my favorite Whitney albums, and it was very hard to not just include tons of songs from that record. <laughs> so I had to be choosy, and some of them got bumped to the honorable mentions and the blog post. But this one, I decided to keep over You'll Never Stand Alone, because I just really love the vibe. It has this throwback, soulful swing beat. Whitney just has a solo lead vocal, no doubling, no background vocals. And she really puts her full range on display from low notes to high notes to soft, whispery vocals to belting. The only reason why I didn't rank it higher is because she is a little bit under pitch on some of the belted parts. So it takes away from the song just a little bit, but she still shows that she's in command of all the different ranges in her voice. But because of the inconsistencies that developed in her voice, possibly from lack of care through the 90s, and this also increased stress of the public scrutiny on her life, coupled potentially with substance abuse too, that her, as I said before, her voice just started becoming less consistent. So I think that shows a little bit with the under pitch money notes here and there. But I still love the song as a whole. I love the emotion that she conveys through it. In some ways, the flaws help convey the feelings because it's not a pitch perfect, shiny, glossy performance. And I didn't realize this was a babyface production at first. He definitely played with his sound, so it didn't sound like a paint-by-numbers babyface song, which I also like. 
Number eight. Who would imagine a king from the Preacher's Wife original soundtrack album in 1996? So I'm not usually one for Christian-y music anyway, but this one is really beautiful. It has this frosty orchestral production that sounds kind of like it's out of a Disney fairy tale movie. And Whitney gives this beautifully understated head voice performance with her vocals through the whole thing, talking about the inability for, you know, the parents of Jesus or the parents of anyone to really imagine beyond their wildest dreams of what their child could accomplish. And I just think it's a lovely seasonal song. It sparkles like snow in the sunshine. And it's and it's warm and full of love. And of all the songs on the Preacher's Wife soundtrack, this is the one beyond the Joy to the World cover that I really like and come back to despite not being a practicing Christian myself, but I appreciate and respect Whitney's performance, Whitney's love of God, Whitney's joy that she got got from her faith. So I wanted to pay a little homage to that too. And so I thought this was a great representation of the Preacher's Wife soundtrack and how it was like half gospel, half Christmas album before a movie and had some just really stunning arrangements on it. Number seven, Get It Back, also from 1998's My Love Is Your Love. So this is a Rodney Darkchild Jerkins production. And I wanted to spotlight it because the other two were singles in one way or another. The others were It's Not Right, But It's Okay, which was one of the hits from this record. And then If I Told You That, that was slightly reproduced and released as a single from Whitney's Greatest Hits in Europe. But all three of these songs, and Get It Back, stands with the other two just as well, showcase these piano... Not ex- well, I shouldn't say piano, this keyboard synthesizer-driven production that Dark Child did on this record. And I don't think he ever quite did the same exact kind of things he did for Whitney before or since. Like, it was very staccato, very... Um, elect- Dark Child has done electronic productions, but, like, the My Love Is Your Love tracks don't exactly sound like brandy tracks or stuff that he did with other artists later in the 2000s like it it stands out to me as unique for what he gave to Whitney and this is no exception the the key the lazy sounding kind of keyboards kind of rotate around I kind of picture something if there was a video maybe with like cars driving around after dark Whitney's vocals shine um no inconsistencies here She gives like a mid-range full voice on the verses and then some excellent belted ad-libs to really punch 
the song up just a little more at the climactic moments without overdoing it. So I think it's just a fun little like wake up call of a song in the message about being like, what's going on? Like things have changed and we need to talk about our issues. Like if we actually communicate, we can get back to what we had before. So I like that. I, as I continue to age, I am finding myself more and more drawn to songs about more established relationships, even though I don't have one, about the nuances of like communication and working through issues together and trying to figure it out instead of just getting mad and fighting and breaking up and cheating and all this stuff. So I uh, add this. Maybe I'll make a playlist for it. If you're making a playlist of this kind, this is a great addition to that playlist. Number six, Just the Lonely Talking Again from 1987's Whitney. This is probably my favorite ballad on this record. Not that I don't love Didn't We Almost Have It All, but I prefer the live version of that one. You're Still My Man is just a rehash of that, and I've never really liked Where Do Broken Hearts Go that much. But this song... This song is misty, melancholy, kind of lurches around like a person pacing around a room and throwing themselves on a fainting couch. And it is... Mm, the soundscape is just so evocative that I can't help but have images in front of my mind. Kind of an amalgamation of scenes from Whitney's 80s videos mashed together and i love her vocal performance i think she shows restraint here by holding back like she's trying to reel in her emotions instead of just getting mad at the situation but also lamenting that she and this guy have been on this merry-go-round before and then she throws in the belts at the climax of the song as like the money note sprinkles on top for decoration. Some of my complaints about the slower songs on its parent album are that she just like belts the entire time. And it's like, okay, okay, we know you can, but should you? And this one, I think to me, for my taste, strikes a lovely balance between the two of showing off when she needs to show up for emphasis, but also showing off that she can convey emotion with a softer vocal on the verses. I love the way that the she and the production kind of take turns like leading and following each other too. It's just well put together. I I like it so much. I'm glad it's track two because it's a nice softer landing point after I Want to Dance with Somebody opens the record. So yeah. Stunning ballad. Whitney has many, many ballads to pick from, but if this is one you've never heard before, I highly recommend checking it out. Number five, 
Moment of Truth, a B-side instead of an album track. (laughs) This song was the B-side to one of Whitney's biggest hits, I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me. It was originally slated for her second album, but it was cut for some reason in favor of You're Still My Man, the Didn't We Almost Have It All Redux that we already talked about. I don't understand. Now, Clive Davis was a masterful music businessman, but he's not perfect, as shown by some of his conflicts with artists over songs to include and exclude from their albums. And that's all I have to say about that. But this song is a shiny, sparkling, warm R&B number. And Whitney named her tour for this album after it as well. I think it might have also been used as the B-side to One Moment in Time again, but I have to check that. But anyway, I really like it because, again, it, it provides a more understated vocal performance than most of what we see that actually made the Whitney album. I love that the belts, again, are used in key moments of the song instead of just sustained throughout. I love the moving, deep-pitched keyboards that add some energy to the production. We have a very gentle key change about two-thirds of the way through that then carry us through the rest of the song. It's just a sweet little number, and it really warms my heart every time I listen to it. Number four, Love is a Contact Sport from 1987's Whitney. We've just had a lot from the same time period sandwiched together. (laughs) Uh, But there's a lot of good music from this record. I mean, Whitney's catalog is leaner than most. She doesn't over-record for her albums, but what she has is top-notch. And this one showcases her flair on an up-tempo. I know most of her biggest hits, other than I Want to Dance with Somebody, are ballads, whether it's I Will Always Love You, I Have Nothing, Exhale, Greatest Love of All, Heartbreak Hotel, Saving All My Love for You. But this one is a lot of fun. It's very energetic. It's got everything. Horns key changes, live-sounding backing vocalists, energy. It's just non-stop from beginning to end. Again, it's about having to get your hands dirty and be in it if you want to make love work. But it's done in a major key, and it's done with a lot of flair and pizzazz. So the serious message can get actually a little lost in the fun sounding production but i don't mind it's just so catchy we'll give it a listen or two and i promise you within a day or two you'll be wandering around the house singing love is a contact sport to yourself over and over and over <laughs> yeah i think this was a missed single opportunity 
Love Will Save the Day did well, and I like that song well enough as the fifth single from this record, but I have to wonder what would have happened if they had pushed this instead, or if they had used this as part of the Olympics tie-in with One Moment in Time. I don't know, but I'm glad it exists, and since it wasn't a single, it can be featured on here. Number three, Dancing on the Smooth Edge, another B-side. This one comes to us from the I'm Your Baby Tonight sessions in 1990 and ended up coming out on the All the Man That I Need single. And then later again, when some lesser-known Whitney tracks were compiled together for a maxi single for Exhale Shoop Shoop in 95. But... This one is, oh boy, it's a lot in all the best ways. It's six minutes and 20 seconds long, and yet it, it, it captivates my attention. I won't speak for anybody else. Just the first verse, chorus, and post-chorus takes up the first two minutes and 10 seconds anyway, so... Doing that cycle twice is about two-thirds of the song. I love, again, the dreamy head voice that Whitney uses through most of it. When she belts, it's not even a full belt. It's almost like, I don't even know what to call it. She just hits this beautiful sustained note over top of the chorus it feels very like foggy and sophisticated. And th this song is about making love. And I use that phrase on purpose to differentiate from just having sex and just a hookup to get mine and get yours. This is a beautiful, stunning, sophisticated, grown song about making love. And even if you're not paying attention to the lyrics and don't fully pick up on that, it's still a beautiful listen from beginning to end. There's a key change on the post-chorus with the hearts on fire part. Then in the last two minutes, Whitney brings the key changes down and up herself decades before Beyonce did so in No Angel. And there's just... Ugh, Everything is balanced in the production, too. Like, the vocals are prominent, but they don't overshine. The production supports the vocals, but nothing is out of balance in the mix. And it's just... Mm. <sighs> Go listen for yourself and see what I mean. I am always like, oh, this song is so long when I go to listen to it. And then after it's on, I'm like, I never want it to end. It's just that good. Number two, Lover for Life from 1990's I'm Your Baby Tonight. Mm, I just listened to it again. This song is like a nice warm blanket. 
I love when Whitney uses her lower register because it's a contrast from her usual style and she sounds fantastic using it. I also love the little metaphor of playfully being like, will you sentence me to be your lover for life? <laughs> I think it it's fun. It sounds like some kind of little inside joke or like a couple just doing their little banter together, but in a loving, playful way. And the production on this one, whew. I don't know who did it. Let me look it up really quickly. It is just shimmering. It feels wintry, but in a way of like being inside with like a cup of hot cocoa or tea or something. Narada Michael Walden. I would not have expected that. You know, he didn't make the transition from the 80s to the 90s very well. But maybe if he had made more songs like this one, he might have remained in demand, even though this was just an album track. But it's... Mm. Again, I love when Whitney takes the luxurious sounding route, even in a simple one like this, where it's like inside with a blanket and sweatpants, sweatshirt, playfully bantering with your lover in a cold winter's night. But ah, it just, it just sounds a level above. Like it doesn't sound generic. It doesn't sound like what other people were doing at the time or since. Like I've never even heard another song like this one before. So, and yeah. It's, it's just fantastic, in my opinion. The I'm Your Baby Tonight album is an unsung great in Whitney's catalog. And this is the cherry on top of the delicious, delicious Neapolitan Sunday of the Neapolitan meaning because there are so many different genres and styles explored on that album. Drum roll, please. Number one. Nothing with love from 2009's I Look to You. This may be a controversial number one, but it's my show and I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care because I want people to listen, but musical enjoyment is all based on one's personal opinion and tastes and i really love this song from the moment i heard it i loved it like it has this staccato almost glitchy electro production whitney's voice while not in its prime anymore sits firmly on top of the production and shines she has some beautiful sustained notes and I love the message of her taking the high road and saying to her exes, to her haters, to people in the industry that did her wrong, to people that counted her out because of her personal struggles, that she has nothing but love for them. 
Like, it's just that, that, uh, what's the phrase? The best revenge is a life well lived where, you know, she went to rehab, she tackled her substance use, she divorced her husband, got out of her deteriorating marriage. And this was kind of like a victory lap. I know tragedy struck a year and a half later, but at the time it was victorious to hear this song in particular on that record, this and salute. But production wise, I much prefer this also convicted pedophile R. Kelly wrote and produced salute, which also kind of, uh, what, diminishes my enjoyment of that song <laughs> whereas nothing but love was not and i love it even more anyway because of the more dance electronic production which are to my taste anyway yeah and some people are like wait ben wasn't this a single and blah blah, blah. i'm like they sent it as a promotional single to radio in the uk when whitney was on the tour of the same name but you know, no video was made no real push was given. I think it was more tossed out there to be like, Whitney had a hit with Million Dollar Bill in this country and she's coming on tour. So radio has an option to play something. But I wouldn't say that this was pushed as a single. And it's also my show and I really don't care. Like I'm not picking I Will Always Love You or Step by Step or something is the number one, something that was actually pushed as a single. So apologies for the defensiveness. I just... I'm anticipating some pushback for my number one choice, and I feel the need to justify. So I'm just going to stop now while we're ahead, and I hope you enjoy Nothing But Love as much as I do, because I have nothing but love for you all. We have completed our journey through Whitney Houston's best deep cuts. Thank you for joining me, for listening to one of the greatest voices to have ever graced this world. And if you did not check out the playlist at the beginning, check the episode description or go to divadeepcuts.com to find it and have a listen to all these great songs to form your own opinions about them. If you go to my website, which I hope you do, don't forget to check out the blog post with the honorable mentions of the songs that almost made the cut for today's Whitney episode, as well as to sign up for the email list to make sure you stay up to date with all things Diva Deep Cuts. I look forward to journeying with you next time to the next artist. Until then, I'm Ben, and thanks for listening. <laughs>